Proverbs 17, 27 through 28. The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint, and whoever has understanding is even-tempered. Even fools are thought wise, keep silent, and discerning if they hold their tongue. John 1, 1 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light, came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The word of the Lord. We continue in our series. Relationship Revolution. We are following along with a particular class where we're studying the concept of emotion health. Classes taught by and Darrow. Today, the title of the sermon is Try On Some You've heard the expression before you judge someone. Walk a mile. This idiom encourages us to give thoughtful consideration to the personal experience of us so that we might practice empathy. Once we understand the challenges or the difficulties that a person is facing, we might then respond with mercy appropriate their situation. In a way, this idiom, this phrase, helps us to expand on the iceberg metaphor or image that we have been looking at in the series. But we're extending it to apply it interpersonally. As we learn that our own lives have so much more to them beneath the like icebergs, even 90 of the whole story is something that we may not see on our own. As we discover that in our own lives, we might discover that that is of others as well. Relating to other icebergs well requires us to acknowledge that their lives have a depth dimension as well. 
a depth dimension that we can't always readily. Listening is not only how we get in touch with what's our lives. Interpersonally, it's what gets us in touch with what's happening others. Listening, the scripture telling, is how we operationalize empathy. It's how we operationalize and apply love. Love that we have learned in 1 Corinthians 15. It's the pathway to understanding others. The key walking The experience of trying on shoes has changed a great deal over the years, hasn't it? Do you remember this? I repeatedly forget what this is actually called. This is a Brannock device. Some of you, raise your hand if you've ever sold shoes. Anyone actually done that for a job? We don't have many here today, uh, but some uh, who have done this. Did you use this device? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, this device has been around since 1927. It was invented by Charles Brannock, uh, and it has become the standard foot measuring tool of the world footwear industry, and that comes from the Brannock website. Growing up in the foot, footwear business, his dad owned a, uh, uh, a shoe store. Brannock developed a prototype for this device as a at Syracuse University in the 1920s. And then he patented the device, and he developed a company to market and sell it. And it made a huge, kind of ever-expanding, uh, it, basically it worked, and its footprint, uh, all in the New York area and then up and down the East Coast, was very firm with, by the time like the early 30s came around. And then what really caused it to take off was that was that the U.S. Army contracted with Brannock to use this to size the GI's boot that they were assigned, which was really important. And for those of you who have ever been on your own or, or out there in kind of the middle of nowhere in Army boots, you know that the size of those boots makes a huge difference. And it took off from there. This device for me, and I wonder if it's for you, uh, in, in my memory, it takes me back to when buying shoes was an incredible experience of service. This, this Brannock device, this metal device, when I think about it, I think of early memories of going to a shoe store and, and sitting down, and maybe I've selected a particular pair of shoes, and then uh, a, a salesperson would, would kneel in front of me and would have me stand on that Brannock device and did these intricate measurements with this tool to make sure that the shoes fit. And with kids, of course, that's really important because they're grow. And, but there's something about the service of that. That type of service is what caused the Nordstrom Company to to gain their status and their symbol of, of service as a original. But 
well, the family that I grew up in did not have the means to, to shop for shoes at Nordstrom. Uh, but I have plenty of experiences of just humble uh, shoe shopping sorties that our family would go on, usually at the beginning of the school year, and every time there was someone who knelt in front of me and who, who had me step into that Brannock device and measured my foot carefully. And then, do you remember what it was like for them to like lace up all snug and perfect? Expert lace. It was really an art. Now contrast that to today. I, I, I wonder if I ask the question, when was the last time you stepped into a Brannock device? It's been a while for some of us, hasn't it? You know, for one of the things that, that is true about shopping these days is that, is that we have access to literally millions of pairs of shoes at the click of a button. But it's not very easy to find a Brannock device or someone who is using that to carefully meet our needs and to help us find Vanishing Brannock device might signify that we have experienced a little bit of a, of a loss. We have so many points of contact with others in our modern age, especially social. But sometimes finding empathy and understanding and compassion seem as in short supply as the once ubiquitous Brannock As we think about putting on or trying on someone else, our scripture passages today are leading us, giving us wisdom in how to, how to bring a listening ear, an empathetic ear, a compassionate ear into our relationships with others. First, from Proverbs chapter 17, verses 27 and 28, we learn how to size one another up with listening silence. We do need reminders, fresh training on how to size up someone with compassion and empathy rather than just a quick conclusion about who they are and what their story is. We do that through listening. Biblical wisdom reminds us of the importance of listening while emphasizing a practical fact that we can't listen very well while we're talking. I know, we're taking this back to first grade level, right? So important for our relationship that we can't listen very well while we're talking. Proverbs 17, 27 to 28 in the NIV, reading these again. The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. So here, the, the, the biblical proverb is describing a scene in which if you truly have knowledge, you don't need a lot of words or constant words to demonstrate that knowledge. Use words with restraint. So there's something about being wise and the ability to restrain our words that becomes important. 
And it says, and whoever has understanding is even tempted. That's what we're really talking about when we talk about the proverb or the idiom of walking a mile in someone else's. It's this concept of understanding. Understanding the truth of someone's situation, perceiving correct, maybe even perceiving the truth beneath that if you jumped to the conclusion, you missed altogether. Verse 28 continues, even fools are thought wise if they keep silent. So if you ever wonder, like, like how to, like, the, the, the true safe avenue, if you're wondering if you're coming, coming across looking like a fool, the best way of approaching that is what? Don't say anything. This is simple proverbial wisdom. Now, there's always, one of the things that when you go into uh, this simple, like, you can kind of think of it as folk wisdom uh, within Scripture, is there's a lot of, well, yeah, but, type of responses that you make. And those are all legitimate. But it doesn't diminish the fact that there is some real basic that comes across in these words from Proverbs. It says, even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongue. There's something about our ability to hold our tongue or to words with restraint that is a way of showing wisdom. If there is a place in the New Testament that's like the Proverbs of the New Testament, that would be the book of James. James is full of wisdom and wise sayings, and there's one specifically that relates exactly to speaking and listening, and it's James 1.19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. There it is, right there. Quick to listen. Everyone should be. All of us, that's the word from James for all of us. And it's a word that endures for all time. Quick to listen. Listen quick. Attentive to what people are saying. But what goes along with that is the next word. Slow to speak. Can you be quick to listen and quick to speak? Hard to fit those two things in at the same, in the same space. Quick to listen. Slow to speak. The biblical wisdom recognizes that listening requires silence. Enough of our silence so we can hear what someone else is saying. We continue on into our second scripture passage from John chapter 1. John chapter 1 features this beautiful uh, prologue of the life of pre-existence of that Jesus is the Word. The Word was with God in the beginning. Everything came from the Word. So, so Jesus, his appearance in Nazareth and Galilee, Israel, at the time that he lived, not the beginning of his Word of And verse 14 is is really the anchor verse 
a theological concept called that the word speaking of Jesus, Jesus, the his pre-existent word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, came from the Father, full of grace. So here we're gonna do a little bit of in-depth Bible study. Ready for that? All right. So the phrase, the word became flesh, in Greek is halagos sarx egenito. Halagos, logos, the word, sarx, flesh, egenito, came. One biblical Greek scholar notes this. I think it's really important to get into the technical aspect. He says, the verb ginomai, which is the came of this statement, in connection with a predicative noun, expresses that a person or thing changes its property or enters into a new condition, something it was not before. It's a very important point to make in theology. There are some people who, who think, well, oh yeah, the word became flesh. Maybe it just appeared that Jesus took on flesh. Docetism, but that was. Maybe that was just something that we perceive. But the Greek does not allow that. The Greek says the word become, or the, the Jesus, the word became flesh. It meant that Jesus became flesh, something that had not happened before. It was an event that did not have precedent. And what's being described truly did happen. Now, sarp, that word means flesh. In Scripture, Sarks are preaching. It, it does include, as a subcategory, sin. Right? So, so a subcategory of our creaturely weakness is that we struggle with sin. But it's not just that. It's everything about being. It's the finite, the finite of our humanity. The fact that, that our, as our, okay, our bodies grow, but then our bodies start to That's something about being human that we all experience as, as we grow and as we get older. Jesus becoming flesh experienced that creaturely. That's what happened when he became flesh. And Jesus didn't just dip his proverbial into human life. Like, I just want to of what it's like. Jesus stepped into our experience with both. Jesus walked a mile, many miles, all around Palestine in our human and all of the dirt and the cracks and the blisters and the that accompany extended to every aspect of our human existence. Jesus made his dwelling with us. Literally here, it is a Greek phrase that means pitched. 
Jesus was all in with us. Pitched his tent right along with us, right in the human campground community. He understands. He stepped into our experience. The question that is relevant for today and this sermon, and I hope that we leave today the different approach, the whole concept of loving others because of that question is why? Why? Well, we learn the why very clearly. In Hebrews 2, 17 and 18, read this. For this reason, Jesus had to be made like them, that means us, fully human in every way. In order that, hold on, we're going to get an answer to the question why. Ready for it? In order that he might become a merciful and faithful high Jesus became fully human in every way to show us mercy. That was why. Not so he would just have the experience of what it means, but so that he would understand our situation, what our life feels like when we lose a loved one. Remember his tears when he found out his friend Lazarus was dead? Jesus knew that, and now he's able to pour out his mercy on us because he knows what it he knows what it's like to have that, that iceberg-like existence where there's just so much. And the deeper you get, the more scary, the more painful it can become. He knows, he understands, and he did it to express mercy. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, the text goes on, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So it wasn't even just mercy in itself, but it's mercy meant by. That's reinforced again before, where it says that, that we do not have a high priest, Jesus, who is unable to empathize with us in our But we have someone who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. And so we're encouraged to approach God's throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace. Help in our time. The incarnate. Jesus stepping into our to understand our so that he would be able to apply and to help. This is incarnation. And in Scripture, repeatedly, in the New Testament, we are invited to love others as Christ loved. Love others as, as Christ. To enter into that same pattern, of stepping into another, of seeking to listen and understand so that Jesus and 
compassion will flow from us and those. Practically speaking, as we wrap up, I want to give us that a picture in our interaction with others, even those who are very difficult for us to deal with, and that we have a hard time uh, really understanding or even showing. There's a time-honored biblical kind of position uh, in the New Testament. It, when you talk about being Christ-like, that has to do with us kneeling down at other We're called washed disciples. And yes, that was another that of another. So think of yourself as that salesman, kneeling at someone's, trying to learn from them what their are like. What has the fit been like in their life? Giving attention. Think about the people who have done that for us, both literally that we appreciate, but what about also metaphor? Those who have, have exerted patience with us. Have, have, have paused before responding to what we've said and have listened and have maybe asked a follow-up question to find out more. And it's meant all the time. So last week, we talked about asking questions of ourselves as we uh, try to understand our own lives. And, and this week, we talked about asking questions of others. As we ask questions of others, the first point that I think is a practical point that we can take away is to give sufficient listening. Make sure our listening is sufficient. Now, it doesn't always mean agreement, but it does mean seeking to understand and not immediately taking things so personally or reacting so personally. In the Emotionally Healthy Relationships workbook, there is a pre-session exercise. Now, some of you were taking the class, read And there's a survey that, that you are invited to take. And as I took that survey, I found it to be very convicting. Anyone else? I, I see some nodding heads. Because it was kind of relentless. There were 10 statements, and each one was like, yeah, I, I guess I that most of the time. Then the next one was uh, some of the time. Uh, and definitely a lot less when, when the stress and the pressure is on. Things like, would people describe me as a thought? Am I able to listen when? That is a hard one. Uh, am I able to verbally validate what another expresses? And then one that I'm summarizing in a two-word question. Interrupt much? So sufficient listening is something for us to tune our, our energy in our relationship with others. And then the second goes with it, and that is thoughtful process. Thoughtful process. Sometimes it takes time for us consider what we're learning, to take time to think about it, and even to ask. Sometimes we need to, to let another person know, I need time to about this. Maybe set up another time to talk about what you're talking about. It's really hard to do all of this in the same, all on the Especially if we are unearthing something, something's coming to the surface, where we really 
pain to apply mercy. Find out that someone is suffering. And we want our response on a Christ. Well, as we conclude, incarnational empathy is what we're talking about here. Walking a mile in someone else's. Jesus did it for us. The word became flesh and pitched his tent among us. Jesus truly experienced our weakness. Didn't just dip a toe into but stepped into our shoes. Why? So he helped and apply his where it is. to love one another just 